0: Jesus Christ had one overarching purpose for coming to earth. He wanted to do his father's will. Notice Mark 6 verse 31. And he said unto them, Come you yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going and they had no leisure so much as to eat. This was the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, where he and his disciples would try to get away. They would try to get their rest, and yet they were so busy they could hardly eat sometimes. That's what it's like serving and dedicating your life to God's work sometimes. The late Herbert W. Armstrong wrote about this. He spoke a lot about this. He explained that it is a rigorous lifestyle when you do God's work. This is from a World Tomorrow television broadcast of June 29th, 1979. And he says here, I have known of people who, well, just seem to be allergic to work. They have never been able to earn a living and they don't like to work to earn a living. And they look at the preachers and they think, the preacher doesn't have anything to do. He just preaches once a week in church and, of course, that doesn't even take time or study or preparation. He probably learned all that long ago anyhow. And they think, well, that would be rather enjoyable. I would enjoy doing that just once a week. And nothing to do but have idleness and ease the rest of the week and so some of them think, well, you know I'd like to be a preacher. And I'm afraid there are some that got into the ministry in that way. So Mr. Armstrong clarifies, he's talking about just worldly preachers. Obviously God's ministry is selected in a different way. God is behind that process. But out in the world, in churches out there, you can just choose to be a preacher if you want to. And it does seem to be a really idle job. And it caters to laziness. But Mr. Armstrong explains that being a true minister is the exact opposite. He, he says here, I want to tell you, if you were a minister in the service of Jesus Christ, you'd find so much to do that you would be busy so much of the time that you just have to, perhaps once a year or so, stop a little bit to let your nerves catch up with you or something. Because you would expend so much energy that your body just can't take it without a little rest. And that's the way it was with Jesus and his disciples. Christ kept the health laws perfectly. He knew how to pace himself and get proper rest, proper diet and exercise. He, he treated his body right so he could handle the daily grind of doing his father's will. But that doesn't mean that from time to time it wasn't a little bit tiring where people were literally just chasing him around everywhere he went to gain something from him. Now that verse, Mark 6, verse 31, immediately precedes the miracle of the fish and the loaves. And the companion chapter to that in John's account is John chapter 6, and we'll take a look at some of that now. John chapter 6, even when Christ was busy, even, even when he needed a break, he never pushed anyone away. He always accepted those who genuinely wanted to learn, people who were in desperate need. He always helped out. But notice here in John chapter 6, verse 5, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Christ cared about the multitudes. He wanted to help the masses, not just with a spiritual message, but even in this case with physical food. Going down here, John six, starting in verse 10 now. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were sat down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And you can see this is talking about five loaves of bread and two small fishes. That's verse nine. So basically Christ blessed the meal, passed it out to his disciples And his disciples passed it out to the 5,000 men, or maybe it was 5,000 people, maybe it was 5,000 men plus women and children, which would make the the group as a whole a lot bigger than 5,000. Whatever the case, feeding 5,000 people or more with five loaves of bread and two fishes is physically impossible. Yet Jesus Christ did it. Notice verse 12. John 6, verse 12, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Okay, so there's a lot to learn from this verse. The entire multitude of 5,000 plus people was filled and then there were leftovers. There were fragments that remain incredible. What an epic miracle from Jesus Christ as he did his father's work. This is from Mr. Gerald Flurry's free booklet, John's Gospel, The Love of God. There's a a section in here on pages 21 and 22 titled, Gather Up the Fragments. And there's a great lesson that Mr. Flurry expounds on here. Mr. Flurry writes on page 22, notice what Christ is saying. You must labor for spiritual food. Even in your personal Bible study, you must labor to study as you should. Spiritual food requires genuine labor and effort. After all, God came from beyond the stars and the spiritual manna comes from there as well. Doesn't it make sense that we ought to labor for it? That is the manna that will give eternal life. So you can see here in John 6 verse 13, the disciples had to go into this huge crowd and they had to gather up the fragments that remained and they filled 12 baskets with the leftover bread and fish after 5,000 plus People ate from five loaves and two fishes. So the amount of leftovers, 12 baskets, was much bigger than the original amount of food of five loaves and two fishes. And of course, going in, into such a big crowd, the disciples. Would have spent quite a lot of time to gather up all these leftovers from all these thousands of people. So it was a lot of hard work. They did have to labor to gather up the fragments. And then, if you look at this spiritually, like Mr. Flurry does, you must labor for spiritual food. It takes work to gather up the fragments. Every Morsel of spiritual food from the Bible. Page 22, again, of the John booklet. You can see throughout this chapter that Christ is speaking spiritually. Labor for that spiritual food. Work. Gather up all the fragments. Gain all you can from the royal education God is offering you. God is giving you spiritual manna. Gather all the fragments you can. Don't lose anything. Gain everything you can from it. And Mr. Flurry asks a couple of important questions here. Do we attend all the Bible studies we can? Do we really hunger and thirst For God's truth, this is how we build our faith, hope, and love. So that's certainly an area where we can all examine ourselves, how much we truly desire Bible study, to dig into God's word, to hear God's ministry expound on his word for us, Are we really seizing every opportunity to learn more about the Bible? Do we hunger and thirst for it? Think physically. When we miss just one meal, we yearn for that next meal. We certainly don't want to miss the next meal. If you haven't drank water in a long time and you're out in the heat on a summer day, practically all you can think about is getting your hands on a bottle of water. And spiritually, that's how we should feel as well. If it's been a while, if it's been a day since we studied, we should be hungering and thirsting for that Bible study. That's a huge lesson we can learn from the miracle of the fishes and the loaves. Going back to Mr. Armstrong from that World Tomorrow broadcast of June 1979. Mr. Armstrong says that Jesus' miracles were done out of compassion, love, and mercy. Because his whole character was that of love. First of all to God in reverence and obedience and worship. And also then love to his fellow man. You see, this was Christ doing God's work with compassion, love, mercy. He loved God. He loved his fellow man. And that showed in every deed he performed in God's work. Just a beautiful example for all of us. So this miracle of the fishes and the loaves does have a lot of depth. There's a lot in it that we can really understand. Now here is the part that is perhaps the most stunning about this account in John chapter six. There's a a brief break where Christ walks on water and then he comes across the multitude again and he has some correction for them. This is John chapter six and then a bit farther down in verse 26 Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. So Christ issued a strong rebuke to these people. He said, you just want another free meal. You don't even care about the spiritual part of it. The fact that all of you eating And being filled with 12 baskets of leftovers from just five loaves and two fishes, that's impossible. And yet you don't really care about the miraculous side of it. You just want another free meal. Notice here, verse 27, labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures unto everlasting life which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him has God the Father sealed. So, clearly, as Mr. Flurry pointed out, Christ is focused on the spiritual food, God's precious truth, and the way we interact with that kind of food. This is another World Tomorrow broadcast from July 2nd, 1979. And Mr. Armstrong explains part of why these people didn't learn to follow Christ and obey Christ after witnessing such an incredible miracle. They wanted him to be a political Messiah that would free them from the Roman yoke right then and there. They didn't want anyone that would give them eternal life. They didn't want anyone that would show them the way to live. Men have always rejected the message that God sent, and God sent this message by Jesus Christ. You see, humans are naturally hostile to God. They will naturally reject God's truth, even if they have God's own son right in front of them to teach them the Jews of Christ's day had a different priority. They didn't want to serve the Romans anymore. And unless Christ would free them from the Roman yoke right away, they weren't interested in following him at all. Notice John 6, verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. God sent Jesus Christ to the earth, and Christ delivered the true gospel message, the good news of the coming kingdom of God, as it says in Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. So we have to believe on Christ, the one whom God has sent, We have to not believe in Christ. We have to believe every word he taught. The true gospel message, the God family vision, the key of David. We have to believe the truth that is recorded for us in the Bible. That is the work of God. And you can see going through John chapter six, how much Christ just repeats. Stop thinking about the physical food. Stop worrying about that so much. You need to get your focus on the spiritual. But these people just didn't listen. They were not ready. Their their minds were not open yet. Christ taught in front of many thousands of people, And yet hardly any of them ever ended up following him and obeying him. And here's why. John 6 verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father who has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Again in verse 65. Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. God calls us. Those in the Philadelphia Church of God today who have been baptized and converted by receiving God's Holy Spirit, all of us were called by God. And God is the only one who can do it. The Father, not even Jesus Christ, can do that. And so even if this warning message goes out to millions of people, the vast majority will not take action because the Father is not calling them yet. Just like in John 6, where the people witness the miracle of the fishes and the loaves, And they were not swayed to obey Jesus Christ and to believe the message that he taught. They were happy to have a free meal, but they didn't make any meaningful changes in their lives as a result. That's how it is doing the work. The message is delivered around the world as a witness. Not to convert people. It's not a soul-saving crusade. The message is delivered as a witness. Anytime punishment is coming, God always will warn first. And that's the witness to the people. To where if they didn't listen, at least they were warned. It's not about converting everybody. Only God can call people and lead them to conversion. That's not what we're trying to do as we do God's work. Here's what Mr. Armstrong says here. Now, here is the work of God and the works of God. There's a great deal in the Bible, incidentally, about God's work and the work of the eternal and the work of God that is to be done on the earth. Yes, God has his work that he does through his own human instrumentalities. And now the work of God was something that they were to lend themselves to if they were God's children, if they were submissive to him. You see, we have to submit to God. We have to obey God as we do his work. Even if the vast majority of people listening to the message do not submit to really, truly, fully do the work, we must submit. We must obey God. We must gather up the fragments that remain in our Bible study because the Bible shows us how to live. The Bible shows us how to obey God. The Bible shows us what we should believe. And it shows us we must do God's work. Notice John chapter 6, verse 30. This part is really just... Shocking, I think. John 6, verse 30, They said therefore unto him, What signs show you then (laughs) that we may see and believe you? What do you work? Verse 31, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You see, this is about a day after the miracle of the fishes and the loaves. And these people said, well, what's the sign that we should believe you? What miracles are you performing? I mean, the ancient Israelites at least got manna from heaven to feed them in the desert. Where is your miracle where you fed a multitude of people miraculously? (laughs) Christ had just done it the very previous day. What are these people talking about? Of course Christ did similar miracles. He was the one who did the man a miracle earlier as well. In the Old Testament, he was the word, the I am, who did that miracle too. But these people just could not see. The miracle was done right in front of their faces and they could not see because God was not calling them. So Christ did these miracles. He had compassion on the people. He fed them physically and spiritually. But the spiritual food, they so often would reject. And that's why Christ even spoke in parables. He said it would prevent the people from understanding. It it was okay if the people didn't understand. If God wasn't calling them, it was better that they didn't understand the truth because otherwise they would have been held accountable for understanding it. Just a really incredible story here, though, from John chapter 6. Christ came to this earth to do his Father's will, to do his Father's work, and that included a lot of impressive miracles. Miracles that can really teach us a lot, just like this miracle of the fish and the loaves. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time.